Welcome to another edition of the Hit the Lights podcast. I have a very special guest with me today. I have Mr. Chris Ruddock. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, are you managing to stay sane and keep busy? The company I work for at the moment, we're just literally doing um, essential sort of call out. We're trying to obviously remain safe, making sure that we're not um, exposing ourselves to any risks. Mm. Um, or exposing anyone else really because obviously we're going into a number of properties so um, it's a two-way street really. Maybe uh, it'd be a good thing to go right back to the beginning of your career and fill fill us in of uh, how you came to join the industry. Basically I was like sort of really interested in electrics um, when I was actually given from a really old friend of my dad's um, was a reader's digest manual and it had everything and it had in there about electrics obviously it covered mainly electrics in the home um and i just sort of like sort of go through that read it um and obviously it was way back in the past of rewirable fuse boxes and and it covered everything from adding a socket and just doing all sort of home maintenance things and um so i was really interested in that and i i basically used to experiment at home much to my um parents discuss but I used to like mess around with it a bit at home and um I think I did actually um at one point um give my mum sort of an electric shock while she was changing a light bulb she obviously she jumped off the chair punched the wardrobe and um she ended up actually breaking her wrist oh, Jesus. Um, okay. yeah <laughs> yeah and I thought oh that's a bit that's, that's that seems fun and I just sort of carried on with it really obviously not electrocuting people but your, your poor mum <laughs> yeah she still reminds me um to this day um always wanted to do it so even when it was sort of career advice and stuff like that I mean careers advice at school um was pretty rubbish anyway the only sort of careers advice we had was we had a thing called um called it a Morris B profile I don't know if you know what that is no I don't well basically what they did is they all sat you in a hole and it's almost like exam conditions and um you all sat there and you basically had to fill in I won't say questions but it was challenges on paper so it'd be like right with your left hand and it was all these sort of different sort of challenges but it's on like paper it wasn't computer based the paper was actually they like, feed it through some machine it all had barcodes on it and it actually picked up based on these profiles like it actually worked out what sort of jobs you were going to be good at that sounds um, sounds like something out of a movie it, it is a bit weird um and i mean like when it came back you it came back in like a pack I've, I've got it somewhere in the house um and it basically gave you a list of different jobs that you'd be good at um so i think mine came back as electrician as number one number two was security alarm engineer uh, number three was a sort of like an appliance engineer. So just um, lesser lesser versions of electrician, essentially. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so I mean, you one of, any type of an electrician. I mean, some of the some of them that that got, come back. I mean, I think one of my friends he actually got um, refuge collection officer, which basically is dustman. That was yeah. his number one, and you just think. Okay, that's a job, but you know he wanted to do IT. What, what? I mean, what criteria must he have ticked to have come out with 
um, collecting the rubbish. <laughs> no, no idea. Absolutely no idea. Right. It was a bit of a weird, weird thing to be honest with you. And that's the sort of careers advice that you had. I mean, obviously, when you did work experience and stuff, trying to find, unless you knew someone that was in the trade that was sort of willing to take you for a week, it was almost hard because obviously the insurance side. So. Um, when we actually got our work experience arranged, I got like they tried shoving me in a clothes shop, and I was adamant I weren't going to be working in like Dorothy Perkins or somewhere, like for a week for free. Um, but luckily, someone dropped out of um, doing car mechanics, so I ended up at um, Ford for a week, okay. um, literally servicing people's cars. But after that, obviously, I went. I ended up leaving school, attending college. <laughs> I didn't know anyone, particularly in the trade. Um, so I thought, well, I'll start college and we'll just obviously, and they like, will help me at some point get some sort of job out of it. Um, obviously, do the writing the CVs and all the rest of it. And I actually did get a job with a company. It makes me sort of, like, when I read things on, on Twitter and stuff about like apprentices and the way that they're sort of expect to be sort of, mothered in a in a sort of way in effect that I don't know how to put sort of put it into words really it's sort of on a the, plate sort of thing yeah pretty much I mean when when I started it was like this is where you need to be you've got to get yourself up there you know by whatever means possible um and the company I worked for like started working for said oh yeah we'll sort you out all your train fares and all the rest of it and of course, that just never materialised. And then I think the day before I was supposed to go up to this site, and they said, oh, that's, that's you know, we ain't going to send you train tickets. We're going to get someone to pick you up. So if you, you arrange a meeting place, and much to my surprise, um, a two-seater van turned up, like a little sort of caddy-sized van turned up with someone already in a passenger seat. And um, I'm like, well, where are I going? Of course, slung straight in the back of the van. You know, let me just say, tell you this, like going away, going over the uh, Woolwich Ferry in the back of a two-seater van next, <laughs> sitting next to a generator is obviously not the best sort of ride. And obviously you're in a difficult position. You don't want to turn around and sort of start moaning at the director on day one saying, you know, surely this is not right. You're in between sort of doing what you know what's right or you just think, oh, so I'll just get on with it and not rock the boat. Mm. Um, so I put up with that for quite a while, but it was just really, really uh, sort of clicky. I think one weekend I got a text message basically saying, you know, come to the office. Um, so we all went to the office and basically he had a bit of a Barney or something on the site. And um, that was it. I was, like, I was one. I was sort of like one of the ones to go. And I thought, well, what do I do? You know, mm. didn't didn't you know didn't have nothing, um. So I ended up actually walking to to the job centre, um, and it was absolutely the worst feeling ever because I've I just like working, you know, um. And I went in there, and obviously they want to give you some some sort of careers advice, um, and basically put you in anywhere for employment, um. They wanted me to leave college, um, and I was adamant I wasn't going to leave college. Mm. Um, but I sort of plodded on. Um, I got really good support from my tutors. Obviously, done some work experience and 
bits and pieces and I ended up sort of getting towards the end of a three-year course but the course that I did I actually did an electrical course and I did an alarms course combined together Um, so those two separate qualifications um, so I did three days a week doing the electrics and then I did one day a week doing alarms um, and it all mal- amalgamated into one and then I ended up doing um, well, obviously getting the both sets of qualifications and then actually when college finished because I I didn't have a like what I call a full-time job at that time they actually allowed me to go back to college and actually sort of do stuff with the like the new lot um, so it's quite strange because um, I did actually do I did all right at, at college all my exams I got like distinctions and like they were really rooting for me but then I did actually manage to get a job I sent loads of CVs out and I did actually manage to find a job but it was a self-employed sort of basis but it was obviously because I hadn't got the MVQ and all the rest of it it ended up being like on a really poor wage you know and it did actually I was getting picked up so it wasn't it didn't really bother me because I didn't have a lot of outgoings at the time so I was, and I was getting picked up and I was working with sort of doing a lot of social housing stuff sort of council stuff mm. housing association work I sort of picked up loads of different things on obviously on that um, and it was quite good because you could almost get left not left on your own but because you you knew everything up to a point they could almost like this is your job and they just get on with it but it, it did get quite sort of repetitive anyway because you'd have like a whole estate and every house would be a mirror image mm-hmm. so you, you knew what you're going into you go in there and you'd almost have to do what i used i mean this was obviously the 16th edition we used to do 16th edition upgrades and some of the houses were so far stuck in the past it was you'd be doing bathroom bonding main bonding upgrading main earth change a fuse board and that might be a, a peak and an off-peak board um smoke detectors full test and there'll be a team of you and we'd literally be crushing a house in a day and it was quite full-on so you could be out a good 10 13 hours a day was that hand. was that conducive to actually having a high quality of of work or did you find that the standards are, you know in crashing out a property like that um, weren't very high I don't know really I mean you'd almost go in there um, because you knew what you had to do in them properties anyway you knew you knew all the easier routes and and stuff obviously the only bugbear was the furniture but they were adamant that you almost had to do them in a day um, to keep the aggravation for the tenants down because obviously the tenants were you know in a say it's not their house so in essence they've got to take a day off work and if you had to take if they had to take two days off of work it was just causing hassle they wanted compensation they wanted so at, at times you could have three people in a property three you know and you always do individual jobs or had to meet in the middle but obviously changing fuse boxes it would be one bloke changing the fuse boxes it'd be one person doing all the bonding someone else running smokes someone else changing possibly accessories if they needed changing um and you'd literally be you wouldn't talk to one another you didn't have time you were literally going in there and doing them and then obviously getting back 
and you, mm. it would be really long days. But, I, won't, I won't lie, it doesn't sound like the safest working environment. Uh, probably not, because in essence, what you was actually doing is you use almost testing. I mean, we used to have like the robin testers, like the individual ones. Yeah. Um, so it'd be one person doing doing all the um, R1 and R2s and someone would be linking at the board and you'd be literally shouting at each other, you know, um, like, I'm on the light circuit and it'd be like, yeah, yeah, you know, and mm. it wouldn't be necessarily time to, what I would say, time to actually reflect on the results. It would yeah. be, yeah, that's about right. And then that's it, tick a box and on to the next one. Um, and if there were, like, obviously, if there were a problem, you definitely, you know, you try and investigate it, but it was very, very tight um, to do mm. it in a day. Right, um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, and, and eventually I actually got thrown out onto a building, like some building sites. So I'd be doing um, like basically brand new developments, essentially. So it'd be anything from tray, armoured, do, obviously doing all the mains intake rooms, um, doing all the communal areas, um, you know, doing mm. all that. And obviously, as, as I... As I sort of progressed there, I was there for quite a while. Um, you end, end up getting more and more responsibility, so you'd almost then end up like, right, you need to go and first fix that flat, and all you get is a set of drawings, and you'd be walking into essentially a concrete shell. Um, you'd have to mark out all the floors, so you could obviously, um, so you can work work where your walls are. Obviously, working to scale drawings, um, and then obviously. Putting all your putting all your um, containment up, and actually running all your cabling in, um, and you had to do that basically in a day, so that the um, sort of wall people would put the ceilings up, you know, mm. partitioners could get all their stuff in, and then the very next day you'd literally be going in there and you'd be putting all the the struts in and the supports in for the new sockets, so you'd be doing it literally from a carcass and doing it all the way through and eventually just as, as things sort of progress you end up getting more and more experience and you end up just getting like getting left on site you know and you end up running the site um, yeah. and at this stage are you still an apprentice um no i mean my money obviously gradually went up um because it did when i was on that site i did have a, i wouldn't say a disagreement but the cost of me actually going to site it was it was just astronomical. I mean, at the time there was um, extensive rail um, upgrades, so it meant that I was getting a train. I had to get a really early train to get to site at half past seven. I had to get a four o'clock in the morning train mm. um, because I had to go train, bus, train, change, train. You know, and it was just and then I had to walk like a mile and a half to the site. Um, so I like I don't felt like I'd done a day's work before I even got to site. Did that and I sort of had a bit of a disagreement with the director and I just said, look, I'm gonna have to make this my last week because I just couldn't afford to pay to go to site because obviously as you get older you end up getting more responsibilities, your bills and stuff like that. Mm. And my train fare was just astronomical. And it actually worked out. I actually sat there and worked it out, and I was better off claiming job seekers' allowance. I was actually five pounds 
a week better off and it seems really it seems really bad you know just couldn't i just couldn't sort of sustain it so i sort of turned around and i just said look it's going to be my last week i can't do this anymore credit to him he actually did sort it out like within that two hours of that phone call he actually increased my money obviously in line with my experience and obviously because it wasn't like because i already had done the exams that's the only thing the only bit i didn't have was the portfolio that was all that I didn't have. So I had everything else, the underpinning knowledge part, just didn't have the portfolio to mm-hmm. sign me off. Um, so he basically put me money up um, and it, he put it up quite a bit, actually. And he actually managed to arrange that I got picked up by the chippy who didn't even work for us. He basically was a completely different chippy who was working on the same, happened to work on the same site. And he, he was picking me up they'd done some deal and he was picking me up in the morning so it meant that I was sort of got to the point where I could actually you know afford to concentrate on driving lessons and bits and pieces like that Mm. but sort of in 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 the sort of throw the conversation I did actually say that I want to do me 2391 so I actually put myself through the 2391 completed that in 2007 so I did do a I say the hard one. Um, yeah, yeah. So I did that. Um, obviously completed that, and then because I'd done that, I ended up getting another pay rise just because I'd obviously completed that. So. It so was how, bit, how? So how? Uh, just to put it in some context, then, uh, how old were you at this stage? Nineteen, I was. Two thousand seven. Right. Okay. But I, I was quite lucky that obviously in the mix of all that, I was doing. Um, a lot of testing of pubs and you'd literally be based there for a week to test um, a complete pub essentially and that's obviously a complete mix you'd be obviously doing the the cellars testing all the cellars all the electrics down in the cellar obviously the actual pub public part itself and then obviously the accommodations and we we used to do multiple pubs did a pub in um, Charlton, one in Bexley Heath, um, sort of all different pubs sort of, of around London. Um, and I actually was quite lucky to work with um, a time serve bloke. And he actually, like, he come from the East End of London. So, you know, it was like a proper, what you call proper old school spark. He did electrocute me once, um, not on purpose, I must sort of, had but mm. um it just shows you how dangerous it is like when you're actually working with someone and communication's quite um it's sort of key really um in terms of i, I always remember it because i i couldn't work out if the lights went dim or i blacked out it, it was quite sort of it sort of did set you back a little bit and you think oh this is a bit dangerous i mm. remember laying on a in a bathroom floor and i was actually connecting an earth um, a water earth bond the, the stop tap in this flat was actually under the bath right so um i was actually laying on the front trying to manipulate obviously you know almost at arm's length where the stop tap was um and i sort of got me half under the bath trying to connect it up and as he as um i was connecting it up he obviously just grabbed the earth cable and he started sort of introducing it inside the consumer unit. 
and what it does is he's pushing it in the consumer unit. It sort of caught, you know, as it coils up on itself, mm. like almost coils back on itself. Well, just as he'd done that, it poked into the um, main switch. While we're not like see the terminal, the main switch, right? And then obviously, <laughs> I was on the other end of it, holding one end and holding the water pipe. Jesus, I mean, but obviously, you 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 end up breaking into a bit of a bad language because obviously, you do because. Yeah, that's what generally happens, and um, yeah, you did feel did, guilty. It was a bit of it, like he did laugh about it because obviously I was all right, but it could have been quite easily the other way. Yeah, is it? Did it change um, your attitude or, or working pr- procedures and life after that? Yeah, because it just meant that if I was doing something, I would obviously say, right, I'm just going to connect this up. You know, because obviously he was a one person a bit one end of the cable. I just said, look, I'm just going to connect that up just to let you know. And then once I've done it, obviously you then go back and say, oh, I've connected that up. Like, crack on, you know, connecting it up. But it just shows you how easy it is just to be. You just get complacent, I think. Yeah, I think I I can agree with that. I, I remember when I started my apprenticeship, the first probably the first year, I was super cautious and you know everyone everyone was kind of saying well it's an inevitable thing you know you're an electrician you will get a shock at some point and I was dead certain that it wouldn't happen to me but eventually it did like you say second year of my apprenticeship complacency crept in and someone told me a lighting circuit was isolated and it wasn't and I went to work on it so yeah it is it is a scary fault I mean I was with that company a good sort of I say about five years something like that and once I'd obviously learned to drive and all the rest of it I was obviously given more and more sort of responsibilities and um, I ended up doing a lot of sort of housing associations and sort of testing the pubs and stuff like almost on your own essentially I got your 2391 needs a pub go and do it type thing I was literally always in in London and the only times I was sort of out of London essentially when I was doing maintenance and upgrades at a hotel you know which obviously involved a lot of night work because obviously they don't want it done during the day Mm. Uh, and that could have been anything from um, doing maintenance repairs within the swimming pool area um, doing work in the steam room um, repairing steam route the steam generator in the steam rooms um, absolutely anything anything and everything um, and even though the, the site was relatively new even some of the paperwork was just completely missing like how it ever got signed over was amazing really um, even the emergency lighting system um, it was actually run on um, a dual voltage system Right. So it would run on mains voltage in like a maintained state. And then if it ever went into emergency, it actually run on 110 volt DC. Right. Okay. Um, via a central battery system. Yeah. But none, none of the boards were labelled. So you get to the board to isolate the circuit and you're trying to isolate it. But it was an absolute nightmare because you'd obviously isolate the circuit but you'd go, you'd actually go there, and you couldn't work out whether it's on or off because it, because of the way the system worked. You almost had to go and obviously isolate it at the main battery 
which obviously the maintenance people were like, well, that can't happen because part of the site, you know, you can't just isolate it. Um, you have to isolate it at the local board. But because of the number of the boards were labelled, it just made it an absolute pain um, to actually mm. work on that system. Yeah, I don't think uh, many installations use central battery um, systems now, do they? No, I mean, this this particular site site did. Um, I mean, even the sort of signage outside, um, obviously the contactors and the fireman switch, even all that wasn't really really adequately labelled um, and the whole just the whole site wasn't just you know for a new site it was just poorly I think it was sort of rushed towards the end and it's all sort of shoved together and yeah it's finished because obviously there's probably clauses where you know and I sort of fell out of love with the company I was working with really because I was doing very long days on the road sort of half five six every morning going to North London, um, I turn up to work, like you should get, like these were obviously before PDAs and all that become fashionable, mm. you should go up to the office, collect your book of work for the week, because they, they didn't see it, like, the only day they wouldn't see you was a Monday, um, didn't really want to hear from you, you turn up on a Monday and you go, oh you might as well go home because you're on night work this week, and it would be like, well how can that you know you, you need a bit of warning because obviously your sleeping pattern changes and all the rest of it um and I was doing some really long hours um getting far too much work not really a lot of support so I sort of ended up not getting a bad attitude but I think I just fell out of love with keep going up London and I think the the straw that broke the camel's back was when I actually fell asleep driving um on the way home i was just so tired because i was so exhausted that i actually um luckily i had an apprentice with me and he actually woke obviously it was he, obviously there was on their phones and all the rest of it and he actually woke me up and then that was the day i just said i can't do this no more <laughs> add some time add some sort of time off to reflect because it is being an electrician can be quite stressful because you're always thinking about your next job but you're also thinking about your last job, you know, have I left it okay? Mm. Have I done this? Have I done that? You know, just things and you just sort of roll over in your head. So in the end, I just basically, I left and worked for myself. Um, and, it, you know, it's like a breath of fresh air. I, I, meant, I think the day I left, within three hours, I was doing some work for someone. And I ended up just working for myself for a, a number of years. And it was going all right. I think the, the worst thing about working for yourself is just trying to get money out of people. You sort of get taken for a ride. And obviously, when you first start out on your own, you learn a lot of lessons. And one of them is someone who you think is your friend. Um, ultimately, when it comes to money, they don't become your friend. It, it, it sort of You don't want to argue about money, but it ends up sort of going down that road yeah I did a, a huge project and you know I put a lot of money into it obviously materials labor and all the rest of it it was for a builder did obviously did the work for the builder there was a few extra bits that I didn't necessarily account for but I'd done it because obviously it's part and parcel of that job um done all that and then at the end of the job obviously knowing that the client had already paid him 
um etec man has said oh yeah great thanks very much um the, there's no money left on the job to pay you and obviously you just think oh okay um well how did that work out because obviously you do your quote um you do everything by the book um but i think the worst thing about it is is um you end up sort of bickering about you end up bickering about it and you end up like he's not going to pay you you could argue that he should be paying you but he's not so you end up having to go sort of down sort of the legal aspect and the legal route um which obviously you do um and it just makes it difficult but the law it isn't on your side um essentially when it comes to being paid um so do you say that from experience yeah yeah it is essentially if 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 they make an offer of payment and it could be as little as one pound a week he obviously acknowledges that he owes you the money and he doesn't deny that he owes the money but he essentially saying i can only pay you a pound a week um and then so basically um there's nothing you can do about it because he's made an effort he's making an effort to pay so you think well you can't you can't run a business on a pound a week mm. you know it just doesn't work and obviously is, is that what ha- sorry is that what happened with yourself yeah yeah it happened with myself um i end up having to get um obviously go down to get sort of legal advice um go through it and essentially i was there sitting in the solicitor's office basically being told well if he's offered to pay you a pound a week that's all you can do if you re- if you refuse that you're basically in in effect declining his payment and you just think well how does that work um, does, do the like any um standard terms and conditions and clauses like when you provide a quotation not um hold any weight in that sort of argument no essentially because you're basically arguing arguing with a limited company and he actually did he did get to the point where he he phoned obviously he phoned you up and he just says i'll just shut up shop and you won't get nothing so it's either a pound a week or nothing Right. And you just think so. Obviously, they've explored their loophole. The only the only saving grace that I had was the fact that his uh, wife at the time, the solicitor, was quite sort of clued up in terms of um, they actually sent a letter to the address because he was operating from the from his home address. Obviously, he set up that he actually sent a letter um, on my behalf, obviously about the payment. Um, and obviously the threat of bailiffs and all the rest of it. But because she worked for a, a major bank, she can't have bailiffs turning up to her property and like a big black marker over her address. Mm. So it's actually his wife that paid me the money. So I was quite lucky. But after that, I sort of fell out of love with do, like doing it for myself. Mm. So I ended up working for slightly bigger companies because this, this company was obviously small. And I actually was went to an insurance repair specialist, um, just doing like basically insurance repairs. Mm. Um, and it could be fire, flood, impact, anything like that. Um, and I obviously had a meeting with um, Boston. I actually applied for their um, permanent position because um, I just I just didn't want to work for myself anymore. It just it just made me miserable i'll be honest with you i mean you probably know this yourself you you your head hits a pillow and then your head just starts to spin 
and you just think, have I done this? Have I done that? Have I done mm. this? Did yeah. I pay that? You know, and it is an absolute minefield. I think I ended up just applying for this position uh, and I didn't actually get the job, believe it or not. I was actually picked to the post um, by a, because it was an insurance firm, they would be doing basically everything, everything and anything. It could be replastering, new kitchen, new bathroom, absolutely everything. Um, And I was actually picked to the post by a kitchen fitter with part P. Right. <laughs> and I just. Oh, so I, did they did they feedback as to why that was the case? Um, basically because he was they were just starting that division up essentially. From the director's point of view, it was if there wasn't a lot of electrical work, he could go and fit a kitchen. Mm. So from the commercial side, he was looking at more the commercial side than actually the fact that he probably didn't have a lot of experience. Um, so they wanted to set up their own little NIC division, essentially, which is fine. I was already in IC anyway. It was quite weird because although I didn't get the job, they offered me like a sub a subby position. Mm. And I wasn't going to like, cut my nose to spite, like cut my nose off to spite my face. I just said, yeah, no problem. Fair enough. And I just sort of podded off doing the sort of the bits he didn't want to do or, you know, and it could be going to fit a light. So you drive somewhere and you go and literally fit a light um, and come away, provide a minor works and that was it. But then I think one from what I've been from what I've been told, um, they were obviously trying to apply for his NIC part. And obviously the chap that they actually employed couldn't pass the NIC. Um Right. They obviously see through, see through. Obviously, essentially, all we done was a part P kitchen course, yeah, um, and stuff. And obviously, we was saying, oh, I'm, I can do all this work, and he couldn't. He just couldn't do it. So I was actually getting um, sent to jobs that he'd actually been to, to actually do repairs. And you know, they'd be saying, oh, do you know this bloke? You know, he came round and he did this, he did that, and I, I don't even know who you're talking about. You know, and I just get on i think one of the jobs that i dad put i think um a kitchen unit falling off the wall but a whole line of them and it actually right. come off the wall pulled off the wall and actually pulled all the pelmet lighting off and actually pulled the cabling out of somewhere in a joint box somewhere and because he couldn't find where that joint was he decided he was going to leave that joint and then run some new lights from um a few spur Right. which I thought was a bit weird. So potentially there's a connection all in bits somewhere and he's going to leave it. Um, so I got sent out, I got sent there and obviously I lifted all the floors. I think I had to lift half the floorboards up and upstairs in about four rooms to find this joint box, found it, replaced it, put the lights back up. And I think before I even got home, the phone, my phone rang. Um, and it was actually, um, someone in in the office and I thought oh obviously caused some sort of complaint or something and they said um or the director would like um to have a meeting with you and I thought okay so I went and had a meeting with him and he basically just said the job's yours and I thought well what's happened like why all of a sudden and he just said you know he really can't do the job um and he's basically um we found his van parked up outside um and the keys on the desk 
basically. And that's why we had to phone you in sort of a bit of a mad panic to get you over that job because it's going to turn into a massive complaint. And based on the feedback, because actually the customer phoned, phoned the company up and was like, you know, what, you know, not blame me on Trump here, but what a decent person. He actually come up, come up lifted me carpets. And because I obviously got like carpet bumpers and stuff, so I actually mm. bumped all the carpets back. So it didn't even look like I'd been there. Because um, obviously, as soon as you say, I'm going to have to lift your carpet up, it's like, well, can't you run it another way? Yeah. And um, they, they don't want that. So I ended up doing doing that and setting up their complete division. But I enjoyed the insurance work. I don't do that so much now, but I really enjoy it um, doing that because it's such a variety. So where, where does that leave you now then? Are you, you're not carrying out that sort of work at the moment? No, I do sort of um, a lot of maintenance repairs, a lot of upgrades, um, sort of like almost like a job in Spark really. Um, Obviously, I've done all the commercial bits, but I do I do a lot more domestic at the moment. I don't mind it actually. Like everyone says, oh, I hate domestic, but it's a different. It's, it brings on different challenges. You're not hitting the same, the same sort of scenarios you all the time because every house is wide completely different. Um, a lot of it you probably see on my Twitter, like some of the DIY stuff that you find and you think, oh my god. Um, but I enjoy doing it, you know. I actually I've done all the commercial shops and you know doing you know doing like comics and stuff, trying to get all their TVs back working because the power keeps tripping. I've done all all that sort of stuff and it's it's okay, but you find yourself waiting about. I'm I'm one of these. I like to just go on and crack on with the job. I don't want to be talking about it for three hours waiting for public to be out of the way the site needs to be made safe you need to fill out um risk assessment form that that, you know that you have to roll off a newspaper almost and it's all in small print and you've got to fill it out and you know i just prefer doing doing that you know it's not to say i can't do it but in in amongst that i did actually go out and actually because i was doing all them variety different works it actually allowed me to build up my portfolio and stuff so once i've done my portfolio i actually ended up getting my nvq signed off i completed that whilst i was actually at work but obviously even even when we i was doing the honestly working for the insurance firm we were still doing private work in it in effect um where you'd almost be doing um sort of like commercial sort of repairs and that could be street light repairs in like huge developments so you go to a huge development and now you'll be you know doing the repairs on the water pumps to the block of flats because the pumps are keep tripping out it is quite it's quite interesting some of the commercial faults that you do get um i think we had a problem with a firefighting lift um the lift kept dropping out um and then it kept going on to the emergency generator and then then it would be okay again and then obviously all, all this would be happening while someone's in a lift and obviously it was scaring scaring them because they could never get out of the lift because it's just going up and down and going a bit going a bit silly so doing a lot of fault finding on that was a bit weird what did, um, it, what did it turn out to be in the end well it got quite complicated because basically it would only happen the fault would only happen at certain hours of the day 
Um, so you almost have to think outside the box. Why is it only happening at certain times of the day? Um, and it always happened but like early morning or sort of between half five and half seven at night. And you think, well, that's when like people are getting up, turning on a lot, using a lot of electricity. Mm. Um, and then obviously coming home, putting the kettle on, cooking dinner and all sorts. So I think I ended up, I think we had all the lift, the lift company there, because even the lift was wired wrong. Like you had to go you had to step inside the lift cart and stand on top of the lift cart to obviously work on the connections while standing on a lift cart on top of it with obviously the lift guys there. Right. And essentially it ended up being the three phase monitoring relay. So it kept thinking a phase had dropped out mm-hmm. and then it started a generator. But even then, like even that site, the generator wasn't wired correctly. So if you imagine the great big generator was situated in the underground car park. So you had no phone signal, you couldn't contact anyone, but also you couldn't lock the generator off because there was no isolator on the generator. Um, You solely reliant on the emergency stop on the generator. So you end up having to sort of work on this system in effect where you almost trust one of your best engineers um, to actually stand by that generator and make sure that that stop button's obviously pushed in mm. no one touches it no one resets it whilst you're changing this three-phase device in the control panel and and it takes a lot of trust to do that because essentially if he just took his eye off the ball and someone like, oh that's that's off you know it could have obviously ended up in um well me not being here probably yeah what's one of the the things you most enjoy about the electrical industry I think it's sort of the fact that you're always learning. You never stop learning, you know. I mean, won't, like if you cut a bit of wood, once you know how to cut a bit of wood, you know how to cut it and that's it. Whereas because it's a quite fast-moving industry, um, you end up, um, I mean, you, I'm always looking in manuals, looking at the regs, looking at all different things, reading like professional electrician, um, doing my own sort of research and stuff i mean the guys at work they just call me regs because they'll say something and they'll go well, actually it don't comply with that reg and you know and it just makes them laugh that you can like i've just got it on like it's just called me brain box like how, how the hell do you know that and mm. you know it's because i just do a lot of research and in my own time really um other than when i'm obviously doing work on my house I mean, on that, obviously having an encyclopedic knowledge of the regs, is there something you'd like to see introduced into the industry? I would say there's probably, I mean, the the regs need, obviously, I think the regs need reviewing. You could almost design an installation to make it so that you fully comply with every bit of the regulations, but that then prices you out of that job. So then you get someone then that comes in cheaper that does it to the very basic minimum standard, but then it doesn't fulfil every reg. And then it's sort of like, oh, well, you rely on a risk assessment. And you think, well, a risk assessment in someone's property will change as they get older. They might become more vulnerable, for example. So you've got, you've got to take that into account. You know, if they're 90 years old and then their power trips out and they can't turn it on, they've got nothing you sort of left them in a bit of a pickle really 
when you actually read more into them and actually look at the regs, I do find that they can sort of contradict one another and that creates sort of arguments that probably don't need to be have. We don't need to have them really, but in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I can understand where you're coming from. I think it does, you do end up probably with probably the more technical issues that do arise. Um, certainly the ones I've had, but ultimately, I end, you, from, for myself and my experience, you always end up referencing out another standard. Um, yeah, yeah. And then you end up in kind of a circle of standards. But l- luckily, for, from my background with like the water industry, there's, uh, you know, regulations that sit above those and, and further above those even so that that clarity and that hierarchy is kind of given and it's very clear. As yeah. to what we're, we're expected to do but certainly domestically you know your your bs 761 that's your that's your bible you've got to work from that and you you know you've yeah. got to work from it not to it and and all that sort of stuff it is hard to sort of well it's not hard to comply with everything but it's just it prices people people out and not doing stuff i mean a lot of the installations i see haven't been touched for years you know the the house that i went to today it's not had an earth for 20 years and you think well how has that been left like that for 20 years no one gets them tested it's sort of shut away in the cupboard forgotten about mm. you know i, I think mean, the, the likes of uh electric vehicles are, are only going to make this worse unfortunately yeah yeah I, I mean i've actually um i'm booked in to do that it's all booked paid and all the rest of it um so that's my next sort of journey and then i do want to do sort of i have been looking at design mm. um i mean i'm knocking i wouldn't say i'm knocking on a bit but i'm getting to that point where things are probably going to start hurting soon if i'm not careful um, yeah you know so you're looking uh, you're looking to take that step into more of an office role then yeah i mean although i've had like the office role per se I still want to go out and do bits and pieces because you end up just losing it. You lose your speed. Um, and it's so easy because everything's moving so fast. It's so easy to be out the game for that just bit too long. that You almost go back feeling like an apprentice again. Mm. Um, you know, and it is, I mean, when I've done obviously me uh, MVQ and me AM2, I mean, there, have been, there were people there that had worked for absolutely years for the same person and they were just struggling with their AM2, just even doing that. And you just think, how? And it's because obviously they're just like either just metal munching and stuff. And at the time, um, the AM2, when I had done it, um, they took away the bending of conduit um and stuff so the containment part was was almost pre-made to a certain mm. extent um but they start, obviously started introducing like the renewables which would be like the solar heating and all that and there were just people that were struggling and you know, you'd be in a bay and you could just all you could hear was just swearing in the next bay and then obviously because you can see everyone else's bay they'd walk past your bay and they'd be like how the hell have you managed to get all that in you know i've been like more than half a day and i've only got that far and yeah. it's just because like 
I don't know if it's just because I've always at work quick, especially with with doing like the house bashing, so to speak. I mean, even even on the sites now, um, you have to be so quick. If you're not quick enough, you you because everything's just so tightly priced. You've basically got a day to do one job, a day to do the next job, a day, to, and that's it. It's all mm. that's how it's all priced. Um, so it is it is strange, and it is our work, but. I enjoy it. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think if you've maintained that after, um, you know, a long time, I, I think it, it's always a good thing. And obviously not the way I always kind of look at it is not a lot of people get to enjoy their job. So I, no. I do feel I feel very grateful and I'm, I'm sure you do too. Well, I've, I've, everyone says I've got an old head on young shoulders. I mean, I'm 34. My The way I look at it is, you're a long time at work and you're a long time dead. So if you don't enjoy it, you've got to do something about it. I don't like the negativity. I mean, everyone says that Twitter's negative, but I don't ever view it like that. I just can manage to block them bits out and I just look at everything in a positive way. It's just easier to do it that way. I mean, you see things, you just scroll past, I don't even engage. I mean, you probably see some of the things I have, a bit of banter with a few of the guys. It's the way you got to do. You just got to enjoy your life and have a bit, you know, make fun of yourself as well as like not be one of these that like can make fun of people. But then when it's the other way around, get all sort of narky about it. You got to, you got to. Um, it's a two-way mm. street, I think, with that. I mean, talking of uh, in, enjoying life, what's your favourite movie? Well, you already know I don't really like movies, <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I, I mean. I mean, I'm, it might be like pulling teeth, but I'm going to get a movie out of you. Um. <laughs> drives it absolutely drives my missus nuts. I can't, I can't watch a movie. She always moans at me. I fidget, you know. My leg starts moving, and it gets on her nerves. If I take her to the cinema, it's literally I, I have to be strapped in. I only really go there for the sweets. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> That's it. Get a massive pick a mix, and then I get told off for eating it, and I'll just be literally eating, eating sweets for the whole movie, and then you know, and then at the end of it, it's like, oh, you can't sit still. What's wrong with you? I'll uh, I'll word the question slightly differently then. What what was the last movie you went to the cinema to watch? That'd be one of the Avengers. Um, what's the last Marvel one? I just don't even remember it. What's the last Marvel film that they did? Uh, End Game was that the one? There might there might have been a few more, but I'm not I'm not very au fait with them either, to be honest. Probably it probably was um, the end game. The um, one where is it one where Iron Man dies? Yes. They, yeah, yeah. It's an end game. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh well, it's been a, a pleasure, Chris. It's, um and it's it's been great talking with you. Yeah, you as well. Thank you everyone for listening.